Welcome to the new Canon panel. Uh, I'm Brian Larson, host of uh, Tashi Station Radio and one of the bloggers at the Tashi Station blog. And uh, I'm going to be the moderator today, but before we go too much further, let's do some introductions going down the line. I'm Nancy Schwartz. I'm the other half of Tashi Station. Uh, I'm Alex Damon. I run a YouTube channel called Star Wars Minute. I'm Thomas Harper. I do not run a podcast or anything. I do have yet a large Star Wars clip, probably one of the largest in the state of Georgia. Um, my fiance Marissa, who's in the crowd here and is a total enabler, um, she and I are both active duty Army captains stationed out at Fort Stewart um, on the eastern side of Georgia with the 3rd Infantry Division. I'm Daniel Eisenhower. I was the guy who was writing many of those long emails about Palpatine's name. <laughs> you made me stop every time. Every, everybody come to the trivia contest, 2.30 today. It's going to be a party. Did you know all the answers to Rusty Miller's questions? Um, yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know that I would know all the ones in the book. Those are pretty old. But. So I'm, let, let's warm up here a little. Uh, going down the panel again, um, give me your favorite part of Legends and your favorite part of the new canon. My favorite part of Legends would probably be the Thrawn trilogy. Specifically, the lady on my T-shirt. For those in the back, it's Mara Jade. Um, favorite legends? Uh, I got a soft spot for pilots. So the X-wing series. Uh, I I love Michael Stackpole's books. And favorite canon is uh, Dark Disciple so far. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. James Clark. How you doing? Sorry, I just ran all the way here. <laughs> we'll give you a second. That's cool. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, favorite new canon. Um, I'm not done with it. Okay, what, I've actually finished A New Dawn uh, by John Jackson Miller. Johnny Action Miller time. Uh, and uh, the, But I am really liking Aftermath. If you haven't started reading it yet, you should do it. So I, as far as the legend stuff goes, I grew up, uh, you know, sitting on the floor of a comic book shop with stuff spread around me that I was not going to buy. And all of Dark Horse's adaptations of the X-Wing series, the Thrawn, all of that stuff was just simply amazing. It was like a pain to see it go. I will say that it segues nicely into my favorite new canon, which is the Darth Vader comic series from Marvel. If you have not picked it up, do yourself a favor, like download it digitally or something. It is amazing. It, it dovetails very nicely with some of the other material that's out there. Gotcha. <laughs> uh, my favorite Legends canon is Thrawn, not just the Thrawn trilogy, but also Outbound Flight and the uh, vision of the past, spectre, or specter of the past, vision of the future, really the whole thing. So h- how spoilerful are we? on new canon stuff on this panel. Uh, we'll go we'll go light on Aftermath, but everything else is fair game. Um, my favorite <laughs> new that. canon is a mad Aftermath spoiler that I want to talk about right now. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm James Clark. I work for... Um, I'm a contributing editor for Boat Fit Fan Club. Uh, what's the favorite? Uh, okay. Favorite legend, favorite, favorite new canon. Um... So I guess I I really really got into Star Wars first. I mean, because I mean I'd seen the movies a thousand times, but I really got into Star Wars with the Shadows of the Empire. So that's kind of always had a special place in my heart. And I mean, a huge Boba Fett fan, and he was a, a really? oh I know right <laughs> key. I mean, he was uh, kind of a key player in Shadows of the Empire, and uh, so that's probably my favorite 
legends now. Um, favorite new canon? It's also a spoiler from Aftermath. <laughs> <laughs> and so, everybody who has gotten to that spoiler knows exactly what they're talking about. So, yeah. But that made my whole day. It was like, what? I mean, that was this. Who's finished the book? I feel like I'm going to have to earmuff it. All right. After, after the panel, you guys all get together and go out in the hallway and talk about Aftermath. <laughs> The Jawa sale? <laughs> okay. Um, so there are some distinctions. There's some distinctions that really need to be drawn at this point because we're looking at a different uh, literature landscape than what we had a few years ago. So what exactly is canon today, and why is it important? And I'm looking at Nancy because she can write a doctoral thesis on this. Uh, well, it's not as simple as just saying everything published after a certain date because – there were some Star Wars insider stories that were published uh, that are made it into the new canon. But basically, if you want to just be simple, it's the films, Rebels, Clone Wars, and all of the books that came out after A New Dawn and comics. So there's A New Dawn, Heir to the Jedi, Tarkin, Lords of the Sith, Dark Disciple, and now Aftermath. And... The, all the Marvel comics that have come out. And the new run of Marvel comics, yes. not Jackson the Green Bunny, <laughs> just to be clear. And, and there's also, there was Dark Horse's last, I think it was four-issue run, Darth Maul, uh, Son of exactly Dathomir, which was, yeah, which was a, uh, a three-trillion, I think it was supposed to be a three-episode arc, which, mm-hmm. you know, um, is very, very good. It's hard to find, um, but if you can get it digitally or something like that, I definitely recommend it. It's one of those Sort of like um, uh, I'm blanking on the the book, the Dark Disciple, Dark. that you just wish had made it onto the TV screen. But it's very very good, and it's a, a really, Dark Disciple. Yeah, it's well, a it's a very integral you know part of his story and, and Mother Talzin's as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Dark Disciple was actually based off of unused Clone Wars scripts uh, that were adapted for prose fiction. Um, so what is Legends? What, what happened to everything essentially before a new dawn? <laughs> I, I, in limbo, can we say that? Because yeah. some stuff, okay, so like kyber crystals have made it back. Yeah. Uh, the interdictor star destroyer has made it back. So there are thi- there are elements from legends that are coming back exactly as they were, and then there are some like Kanan is is pretty obviously to me like an a reinterpretation of like Kyle Katarn. You know, like his character. So, I think we're going to get lots of that. Pardon? Rebels. Rebels. So. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that they're referencing in the books. Um, it's pretty much um, they're using it as background material. So, if they need a character that already exists, they'll use it. If they need a, like I, I, I laughed really hard because in the um, the young reader books for. Uh, called Servants of the Empire by Jason Fry, which don't let it put you off that they're young reader books. They're really, really excellent and tie into Rebels. Uh, he mentioned Hot Chocolate, which was first mentioned in uh, Heir to the Empire, and I pumped my fist and said, yes, Hot Chocolate's canon again. Yeah, it's like every time you see a reference, you're yeah. like, made it. Like, yeah. that's back. Yes. Kyber Crystals. If you've read uh, Aftermath, it is chock full of Old Republic references that have been brought into the new canon. Um, but why, and this could be a controversial topic, why 
was the move made to make all this material prior to a new Dawn Legends? I, I, I think you had to. I, I think from a from a business standpoint, uh, you know, I looked at it as having two pathways. You could adopt everything that was out there of varying quality, of of varying medium, and uh, you know, just make it all part of the the storyline and and just have fans sort out the the all the contradictions and whatnot. Um, you could potentially find some middle ground and pick and choose stuff that the folks at Disney deemed worthy or the story group deemed worthy. Um, or you could do a, a hard reset of everything and just allow contributors to pull things that they wanted that fit into the timeline. Um, and, I, you know, as, as much as it pained me to see a lot of this stuff go, um, I, I think it was what was needed for the franchise. I think we're, we're developing a cleaner timeline. Um, it's clear that the Legend stuff is not dead in any way, shape, or form. It's still living and being taken, drawn from. And it, it got really it gets complicated because these new films are set 30 years after Return of the Jedi, and there was a whole lot of expanded universe big stuff that happened in there. If you show up at The Force Awakens and there's this offhand reference to the Yuuzhan Vong War, your first question is, why am I not seeing that on the screen? Yeah. Well, you referenced the Clone Wars in Episode Four. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, also it just they wanted what happens in the movie to be a surprise. Yeah. Um, they didn't want the creators to be beholden to what the books did, which, while the books are what, and the comics are what brought a lot of fans in, myself included, I understand Star Wars is a film franchise, first and foremost, and I don't expect J.J. Abrams to be told, no, you can't do this because the books did this, you know. Well, we have we have thirty five years of EU really, like I mean, from Long from Splinter time. on, I guess. So it's like, it as a huge EU and now Legends fan, I, I guess we've been in limbo because the new content is coming out now with all the new books. But after the buyout, it was like, it, what what's gonna stay? I, was, I mean, I was I was I was really worried. But that, um, and that that's actually the next question I have for you all is. Um, what was your reaction when we got that announcement that we were getting Legends and we were going to be kicking off this new canon with a new slate of books? Shock and disgust. <laughs> oh. I, was uh, I, I was kind of expecting it. Um, I, w I was actually kind of relieved when uh, StarWars.com posted that blog post and there was a, a video. I don't know if any of you have watched it, but it was a video with... John Jackson Miller and Timothy Zahn that they filmed at Lucasfilm talking about the expanded universe and there was a lot of people from Lucasfilm talking about it like Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo and Jen Heddle and talking about what the books meant for them um, and I think it was just kind of relief for me like okay we know what's happening now now we can move forward um, I was the, the, the writing had been on the wall yeah. since the since the Lucasfilm sale, and I think for a lot of us, it was it, it was a relief to no longer have to wonder and be able to just say, "Okay, this is what's happening. Let's move on now." I didn't necessarily think it would be everything, though. Like I, I was almost expecting, I, like if it was, if they had this, I don't care how many word document that was like, "Well, this is true, still true, and this is still true." <laughs> I would have read all of that and like taken notes. 
Okay, good. Check, check. Yeah, yeah I, think I they should pick and choose, especially from older public stuff. Well, and they will probably. Like, they will, it's just we have to like, like wait. Some stories like, like Darth Bane. <laughs> yeah, I kind of wish yeah. that Darth Bane or Darth. Well, Darth Bane's Vegas. in Clone yeah, Wars, so I guess. Was, but, the whole story, but not by name. I think they should just. Well, it was it was too soon to start putting a list like that out because I mean at the time the story group and the writers were still figuring out, okay, where is this franchise going? It was way too soon to start saying, okay, these books we can bring over. But I think the problem is with with what Disney unveiled in terms of their plan for the movies where it's we're not just going to be getting you know, a, another trilogy. We're going to be getting these, I guess they're Star Wars stories now. I, I think, Nancy, you made a very good point that if you're if you're keeping certain pieces, no matter their quality and no matter you know what the fan attachment is to them, you're handcuffing filmmakers into stories, and, and you know that leads to, to potentially all sorts of problems down the line that could impact the quality. And I, you know, I don't care what the quality of the book is. I you know, if I loved it and, and cherish it to this day, if I walk in and it, it had some role in the movie kind of stinking, um, you know, it's not worth it in the end. And the, the the important thing to remember is Star Wars is first and foremost a film franchise. So the films will always take the lead on what's going on. Yeah, the films have a much wider reach than the books and the comics as much as as much as we love them and as they're important to us. Um, the amount of money The Force Awakens is gonna make is ridiculous compared to, you know, how much how many copies of a book has sold. I mean And not even the money, but the total reach uh, yeah. of how many people will see The Force Awakens versus how many people will read the books. Yeah. I mean, random, every, you know, very casual fans, people who aren't even fans are probably going to go see it just to see what it's about. Um, and then if they go and see it and like it, they can go pick up the books and not have to feel like, I have no idea what happened in this movie because there's all this these books explaining it. That's an interesting. How many people? So before they announced that that reset, how many people had not really read much of any of the old books that had come out or were just getting into it? Yeah, so that's a fair amount. I mean, that's that's a sizable chunk of this small audience. In a in an audience that's here for a book panel, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly, and and so I think that that's substantial. Where where you can get in at the ground level, kids can get in at the ground level and be part of the franchise, sort of reshaping itself. And not feel intimidated when you go into the bookstore and you see shelf upon shelf upon shelf how, of stuff. How many of you guys have had a friend or a acquaintance say, I want to read Star Wars books, where should I start? And then you have to give them a huge long list and you're like, Thrawn okay. trilogy, always. <laughs> you're like, Oh, Thrawn, man. It's like me with the comics because I don't, I, don't, I don't read comics and I want, I'm like, okay, where do I start? And I'm just kind of like, there's, there's too much. I don't know where. Darth Vader number one. <laughs> yeah. And the... Oh. Empire. Empire. You have to have a conversation. Um, and <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone else feels the same way, but I think that was a problem with the Legends book, especially the last six or seven years of its run, was that it was very inaccessible. If you had not gotten in ground level ten years earlier, you were going to be lost a lot of the so time. interconnected. Yeah. Like, every story references every other story, and I hope the new EU does that to a degree, but... How many long books were there? Like, 13? 19. More, they, they, more yeah, there were 19 uh, New Jedi Order books. Yeah. Yeah, you, and I, I just picture, you know, a kid that, that is getting into it, and that, that's what really, in my opinion, what a lot of this is about, is the, the next generation that's taking 
up the fandom. You walk in and you you see like issue you know book fifteen in a series, and you don't even see book one on the shelf because they don't stock it because they can't sell copies of it. And then you're just kind of lost, and you move on to some darker territory like Star Trek. Of course, we're we're going to be heading for that again, right? In another ten years, we'll have a hundred books again, and will we be head, are we headed for another canon reset? Is this just going to be a cycle that repeats? I, maybe, maybe we'll not. Um, a, a lot, <laughs> a, a lot of the issues with how Legends was constructed was that there really was not a lot of oversight of the big macro. Where are we going? And that led to that led to a big mishmash of material that um, made made the universe really convoluted. Which actually segues nicely into the next question I have for you: What is the story group, and how does the story group work? The story group is God. <laughs> they're, they're locked in the Jedi Temple. So basically, the Lucasfilm story group is the group that's basically overseeing all of the canon content that is being put out for Star Wars. Uh, they are... Uh, Leland Chi and Pablo Hidalgo are the main folks on it. There are other people on it, but they won't really... There really is no list of who is on the story group. I think there's only four. Yeah, four. Yeah, four. yeah it's yeah. Leland, Pablo, uh, Kiri Hart, and I'm missing one. Rain. Rain, Rain Roberts. Rain Roberts. But, um, so they're basically overseeing everything and making sure that everything goes together Um if there's a reference or something in a book that they won't fly, they'll say, "Sorry, you're gonna take it out." Um, they might say, "Hey, you should, you need to put this reference in your book because they'll come up later." Which, uh, if you read page 52 of Aftermath, you might figure out what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, essentially, what the story group does is they're trying. It, it's the QA that's making it so authors need to use a whole lot less spackle to make things work. I think, were, were any of you guys? I, I heard some. I, I was not at the uh, the midnight release of Aftermath that they did here. I I heard some interesting comments that Chuck Wendig made about working with the story group. You guys want to? Because I haven't heard all of it yet. Yeah, we were at the midnight party that, for Aftermath, and also he had a panel here. Um, that's actually we recorded it, so if you go to our feed, you can hear the panel. But um, you know, he discussed how you how they work with the story group, um, and a lot of people think the story group tells them this is what you have to write. Here's an outline, but they actually want to hear their ideas, and it's you know true for all of the authors who are writing books. Um, and you know, people I've heard people criticize um, Chuck Wendig especially because he's a new Star Wars author um, and say, well, you know, the older books are better, but. Uh, everyone else who's written a canon book so far has also written a Legends book. Uh, John Jackson Miller wrote a ton of Legends. James Lucino basically oversaw the entire James New Lucino Jedi was Order. James was the spackle king of Legends. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, they're basically saying, okay, you, this we want to hear your ideas for a Star Wars book. Um, and then they might say, you can't write about this. Um, but Essentially, the the authors now are getting just a list of things that are off limits and are free to pitch anything else they want in the story group. We'll take a look at the pitch and say, yeah, this fits in with where we're going in Star Wars. Let's do it. And we're not allowed to know what's off limits. No. No. We'll never know. <laughs> um, so l l let's see. 
mining for Legends content, will we ever go back to Legends at any point? Like New Legends books? Yeah, will there ever be another run of New Legends material? I could see like an author putting his foot down or her foot down and saying like I'm not going with what your story group stuff is. And they just stamp legends on it. Fine, you can still publish it because it's good, but it can't be part of our club. Um, no, like if Zon wanted to revisit uh, Thrawn or something, and just if 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 we wanted to bring Thrawn back, if they're never going to put him in the canon, but Zon wants to write a new story about him, I don't see why they couldn't just say okay, write a new legends book. The the trick with the trick with the publishers is they only have a certain amount of slots allotted to them, and for the immediate future, and I'm talking probably the next ten years, those slots are going to be devoted entirely to promoting the new materials coming out on the film and television side. So everything's going everything that they release is going to further. Those uh, those film and television aspects. Um, I mean, it, we're not talking directly novelizations, but material and books that are in those timelines that push towards certain things. So, but the good news is, uh, Leland Leland Chi has it has said, "Never say never." It's not the plan in the future, but it's it's very much on the table as something t- that can be returned to. Yeah, I mean, they used to say all the time, "We will never reboot the expanded universe," <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Yeah, I think it could be potential. I, I like the idea of it. I th- I think from a, you know, if you're putting your shoes in the the or yourself in the shoes of a Disney executive, or for that matter, a publisher, I don't know how much sense it makes because if you're you're potentially confusing audiences that you know are new and are used to these new books being part of the story, and then in some way, shape, or form, uh, you know it. It's either they've got to stamp it legends or they've got to explain to the new audience that, hey, this isn't part of this. It's a new book, but it's not part of the story. I see that causing a little bit of confusion. You're potentially creating a niche product where it's got a limited audience. You know, maybe that sells some stuff, but from a business standpoint, um, I mean, even yeah. even Marvel isn't really doing the ultimate thing anymore. Well, no, they have the convergence. Yeah, so. Um, it, it's hard. It is hard to sell a multi-universe franchise when you still have such a big focus on everything being interconnected. It's hard to market everything as like this. All is interconnected. This is its own thing over here, though. So it's 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 a tough it's a tough sell for them. Right now, there's remains a large audience for the previously canon EU. In 10 years, that's not really going to be the case so much. If we haven't gotten anything else from there, who's, I mean, I'm sure we'll remember to some extent what happened, but I don't think we would see more Legends books set within the Legends universe that we currently know. More stuff like the uh, Infinities comics that came out a while ago. Yeah, we might, I would, I would say we probably won't get like a continuation of the next generation, like Jaina Solo and Jason Solo, or not Jason Solo, because he's dead. <laughs> uh, spoilers, sorry. Moratorium it's on that Legends now, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, but I could see them saying, okay, well, um, we're going to do a book about Thrawn or Mara Jade set in this new timeline. This is, you know, we're going to bring them back and have them doing something else. I could see that sort of thing happening um continuation of the story 
Probably not. But I also, I've said before, you know, how many people have asked, ha, used to ask you, where should I start with Star Wars? And you have to write a huge long list. I've had that I happen now. I had a 4,500 word article <laughs> written trying to explain where to start depending on what you're looking but for. But ever, ever, Darth it's... Vader, number one. Yeah. <laughs> but ever since the reboot or the legends, I've had more people come up to me saying, okay, I want to read these old books and tell me where to start because now they it's still overwhelming but it's kind of like there's an end in sight so they want to go back and read what what happened you know they're like okay now i can go back and i want to go back and read the x-wing series because it's not overwhelming where should i start i think they've to the extent that stuff is being pulled i think i know i had a little bit of worry like hey you know if they're going to hit the the flush button on this you know the toilet of Star Wars. I feel awful saying that. That's a bad. I think in, in Star Wars they call them freshers. Fresh, yeah. freshers. Uh, that's Dump not canon anymore, actually. Yeah, that's not canon. <laughs> they yes, they are bathrooms now. That's next level. This so, is. I mean, this but it's terrible news. <laughs> that's the deal breaker right there. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use the three shells. But if they're going to do that, you know, this, it's going to be a potential wasteland of, of really valuable stuff. And I think from my perspective, they've done a really good job of, of plucking stuff. And it hasn't been overdone. I mean, they haven't um, overdone the, the interconnectivity of the stuff. It's, it's been sort of a, a thread that has connected each of the storylines or each of the comic series and whatnot to the larger thing. And, and overall, I, I haven't run into but maybe a couple things that really just irk me. Um, and, and certainly no um, total contradictions in material. So I, I'm excited to see what else they're going to be pulling in the future. Uh, speaking of things they'll be pulling, what would you like to see brought over from Legends into new canon? Um, Mar Jade. First and <laughs> foremost, Mar Jade. Mar Jade. Mar Jade. I'd love to see Thrawn. I mean, Thrawn is such a fantastic character. I, I like. I think Disney has to write of, of all the the you know great EU content out there. I, he's a, a great figure for them to use in all sorts of ways, and, and I'm interested to see in, in all the movies that are coming out if, if there's a place for him somewhere along the line. And Dala, she's good too. I'd, I'd pull Darth Plagueis the the story, the book. Uh, I think that that book did so much for the prequels uh, for people that didn't enjoy the story as much. I think James Lucino did a great job of kind of making some things make sense, and uh, it's just a great book. I'd pull Darth Plagueis. I flatly asked Chuck Wendig at the end of his panel the obvious question about the end of Aftermath, (laughs) Uh, and he said he couldn't tell me. Um, But if the answer to that is what it obviously is, (laughs) I'm not saying anything... Too close, too close. Okay. <laughs> that would be what I would be most happy about. Um, I will not go with the obvious question, which would, or obvious answer, which would be Mara Jade. Uh, I would like Tycho Selchu to be canon, because um, mainly because I think he would fit in the easiest. Um, and because when I watch Return of the Jedi I, and Empire Strikes Back, I feel like he's there already. Um, and I can't imagine having Wedge, Hobby, and Wes without Tycho. It's just wrong. Corn. Yeah. 
Core, yeah, I mean, I can see Corin, but like Tycho especially, it's like yeah. the Fab Four. They dressed in women's clothes and on Ajumar. <laughs> they need to be kid- They need to be all friends again. Yeah, f- for me, it's the macro uh, ideas and concepts of the X-wing books. Um, th- there was such a rich history with those characters uh, and those and those uh, plot ideas that I'd like to see that in some shape or fashion uh, make the jump back over to a uh, new canon. And we are about halfway through, so at that microphone in the center, let's open things up for questions. <laughs> I, I bet this isn't a question. It's oh, more it's like, totally a question. Oh. No, we are not bringing Waru back. <laughs> I just wanted to know how you can be a part of the canon story no. group, Brian. Go sit down. Go sit down, Bria. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, that's a funny story. So if you were at – how many were at Star Wars Celebration? Awesome. How many were at the – Story group panel at celebration. A few, oh, a few people. Okay, so someone asked, "How do you get on the story group?" And I think everyone in the audience went, "No, don't ask that question." And then later, at the Delray Books panel the next day, uh, they they were talking about the Force Awakens novelization, and they had someone get up in the audience and ask if they could write the novelization. And everyone in the audience is cringing and like, "This is the most embarrassing thing." <laughs> But it was Alan Dean Foster who is writing the Force Awakens novelization, and that's how it, they made the announcement. It, and it was it was Shelley Shapiro's idea yeah. to have him do that. Shelley Shapiro's the editor for. So what they say? Like, sure, you can do it. Yeah, they're like, uh, "What's your experience?" And he's like, I, "I've written a few books." And they're like, "All right, just why don't you come up and sit down?" <laughs> the original. Then Alan, yeah, then Alan Dean Foster just joins the panel. It was great. That's good. Go ahead. Hey, uh, so. Two of my uh, favorite—I I don't know if they're my favorite, but they're two of my top of the favorites—are uh, Kevin uh, Kevin J. Anderson's Tales from Jabba's Palace, as well as John Jackson Miller's Kenobi. I kind of feel like both of those are good standalone tales, and I kind of feel like they can somehow be parts of them can be taken because, especially the t- Tales from Jabba's Palace, the Bomar monks is one of my favorite story arcs. Okay, and like, do you think they could take anything from those? Kind of take from that, put it in there, and. You know, just leave it at that. Boy, I mean, with Kenobi, I could see them doing. Uh, we're not calling them anthology films. What are we calling them now? A Star Wars story. A Star Wars story. Yeah, that's a better name. Uh, <laughs> I-, I could see Kenobi getting a mostly wholesale exactly. adaptation. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you and McGregor said he would do it, and I don't know why they just haven't. So, dear God, do it, how do has it. that not been confirmed? When you and McGregor yeah, said, so who, who's who's currently reading the the main Star Wars comic yeah. series? Which, which borrowed from. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, the it, I have not been the biggest fan of it going on along so far. It's on issue seven or eight. So it's. I mean, it takes about ten minutes to to catch up I, on I these things. Absolutely. The the issue that changed that comic totally for me was I think it was six. Uh, it gives you a peek into what Obi Wan was up to uh, at the in the early days um, on Tatooine and, and sort of as he watched Luke grow up from the shadows and it's absolutely fantastic and that book has like recaptured my attention. We we had a Heather An- Antos on uh, our show um, who's one of the editors over at Marvel and she said that yeah there was some inspiration drawn for that comic from Kenobi. Yeah, he's just standing there watching I mean there's a, like a fantastic scene where Luke is in a tussle and all like Obi-Wan has got his hand like ready to go ready to jump in and you could just see I mean the writing is fantastic as he's just 
like struggling with the the choice to like he's got to hold back and you know let Luke do his own thing and and uh, you know play his own role and focus on his training. But it's just a very powerful piece for a few just a few frames in a comic. Go ahead. Just curious if anybody else on the panel who's reading uh, Aftermath right now is having sort of a schizophrenic <laughs> motion where where you're going. Yes, yes, I like. You like in like a. Smeagol going, yes, I love this. I love this new book. And, you know, you've got Gollum going, no, no, keep the kid. Keep the old book. Keep the old book. We love the precious. Anybody else in that? Uh, yes. Exactly that. Yeah, moments moments here and there. But uh, with Aftermath, so uh, I'm about halfway through it. Um, I It's the gloves are off with the new canon, and we're seeing what they can do. And it's really, it's a really encouraging book. I it's not specifically for aftermath but just in general like I I will hear people get very militant about legends and n- hating everything new and I go well no I mean th- some of this stuff is good I you know I we get new Star Wars how awesome is that but then people are like oh the EU sucks and I'm like no what are you talking about so it's basically whatever people are bashing is what I want to defend but I mean there's stories that I love and I think you know I, I'm like, well, they could have kind of made everything fit. And then I'm like, no, they couldn't. So, yeah, it's it's hard because you love it, but you get two stories now. So right. so many people act like it's got to be one way or the other, but they're all, all the stories still exist. And if you enjoy it, it doesn't matter what canon it falls under. It's still a good story. And l- let's point out that if... Disney and Lucasfilm really wanted to just totally wash their hands of Legends. They could have pulled print on everything there, and you wouldn't be able to get your hands on it oh, anymore. They're still re- they're still publishing this stuff because a it does yeah it does make them money, and b they still have respect for the material. I just enjoy the fact that my fan fiction is as canon as Timothy Zahn's. Uh, but no, you mentioned Kevin J. Anderson. I actually went, uh, it was two years ago at DragonCon, um, or maybe last year. Is that the year I, he ripped his shirt off on a panel? <laughs> but, yes, yeah, but that, that was at the masculinity in Star Wars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I asked him, I was like, I was like, Kevin, do you ever, do you feel like people beat up on your characters a lot? Because they, I mean, toward the end of the EU run, they were killing off all of his characters. So, all he, the characters. Yeah, all of them. So I guess, I mean, we don't have to deal with that anymore, I guess. Go ahead. I'm so glad you said fan fiction. This makes me feel really better about this. Uh, I lead a group of people who role play as Mandalorians, and of course, the question on everyone's lips coming out is: Is there going to be a really good guide for people who are looking for the canon rules about what happened and what did not, especially concerning Mandalorians, but everybody else? But, read Aftermath. Um, you should read that. Read Aftermath. Yeah. yeah. And. Yeah, so I think somewhere I don't know I mean, if it's, it's a little Wikipedia, so StarWars.Wikia.com, which you want to talk about like a reaction when the oh, yeah, yeah. Like, a, a million voices cried out in pain, like, and then kept crying that, out that, and that, kept crying. I love that site; it is very valuable, but it is a total mess like right now. But anyways, I will say like have you have you watched the Clone Wars? Are you a fan yeah. of the TV show? I mean, like that's a, that's a great starting point. Yeah, Bo-Katan. I, like you know, there's there's such a rich bit, and I I can't speak to um, whatever happens in aftermath. But um, I mean, there's been a lot of spoilers. Well, about the Boba, season two, they said uh, they're gonna have 
uh, uh, season two and beyond, Dave Filoni said he's going to go into Sabine and where she's from, and and because she was at the Imperial Academy, On but she is a Mandalorian, so they're so going to go into why she's so mad at the Empire. So I imagine we're going to get some answers there, but I'm not so much sure at this point after Return of the Jedi what happens with them. Uh, but I mean, there's a little. I mean, something they even dissed a lot of the wars, so. Yeah. Well, but they hinted. I, I will say that that's they. Of all the the 122 episodes, the fact that that Death Watch and uh, Mandalore got as much attention as it did, even extending into to the canceled season six, is really promising. Because you could see, um, you know, anytime uh, previously talked, there was just it was just dripping with stuff that is is ripe for more material out there. And I I don't think that they would have spent that much time and effort you know, on that story arc if they weren't going to do something else with it. That's my hope. Yeah, so I, do we know definitively what's going on? No. Um, but you should be very, very, very optimistic that they're going to tell you. Well, they had, uh, I don't know if you were you were in at Celebration. <laughs> so they had the season six uh, footage from, or even maybe beyond, of Cad Bane training Boba Fett, mm-hmm. and Boba was wearing the armor, and, and Cad Bane had this thing with Jango Fett, according to Dave, that, um, they were always trying to figure out which one of them was the best bounty hunter in the galaxy. And since Django died, he'll never know. So Cad Bane took it upon himself to train Boba Fett to one day find out who was better because he's an exact replica of Django Fett. So, I mean, one of them's in the movies and one of them's not. So I guess we know who won. <laughs> for for a, at least a very rough guide to current canon, we have had one encyclopedia published. Yes, uh, Ultimate Guide to Star Wars. Came out of... Yeah, it came out about a year ago, so it hasn't got the newer books and stuff in it. Uh, I, I think it actually came Ultimate out right around Celebration. Yeah. That wasn't Ultimate. that right around a bit, right about a year April. ago. April, yeah. More recently, yeah. 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 All right, so it's, it's only been <laughs> I don't know. So it's I don't only, know. It's, it's only all been a couple months. Too. Um, so that everything in there is canon. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimate Star Wars was fun because it was basically people were flipping through and trying to find things that they liked, and one of the things was. Um, for the, the entries about the Battle of Hoth, if you watch the movie, Hobby's speeder gets you know shot down, and it mentions in the novelization, I think, that he died. But then he shows up later in the X-Wing comics, or the X-Wing comics and the novels. So everyone was like, all right, all right, what's true? And flip through, and it's that he survived, and we were like, yes! Years too. <laughs> yeah, that... That that right now is the definitive guide to what's canon is when Ultimate Star and Wars. There's several uh, insider articles too. I think yes. there was an insider ar- ar- article. Wow, I can't talk. That it's was like early. the first new canon story, technically. Yes. Yeah. So the best thing that the Ultimate uh, Star Wars encyclopedia recanonized is the Gorex from <laughs> the indoor TV show, the big, like, monster. No, that's they're in the canon. movie, too. The that, first that's Ewok canon, adventure. Although I hate to break it to you, the holiday special in Life Day still oh. isn't canon. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. Donut tease. If you do not have Wookiee. Just to compare notes, can you hear me? Yeah. Uh, just to compare notes, um, I guess my question is, if this piece of information that I learned in January is true, how does that affect your predictions for the franchise? So in January, I was in New Zealand, and I was at the, the Weta um, Studios. They're the, the people that did um, Lord of the Rings. Do we need to put up the spoiler poster, potentially? <laughs> I don't oh. Know. Maybe? Well, um, Only you know. So, so <laughs> one of their um, creators said that for the first time ever, um, unprecedented in that industry, they were being offered 
30-year contracts to do special effects for Star Wars. Oh, they want to put out a movie. Like They're going to put out 20 movies at least, yeah. Oh, uh, in the next thirty years was what they told me. Oh yeah, Disney. Good. Disney <laughs> paid. <laughs> Disney paid four billion dollars for Lucasfilm. They're going to recoup that investment. And I hope they're not even all live action. Like, if we could get like a Bioware cinematic movie. Oh yeah. Can we just watch that for I mean, ninety minutes? I, w- I want my X-wing cartoon. Yes. We're already seeing that um, Disney is giving Lucasfilm the resources to really start exploring different genres within the Star Wars universe. We're getting, we're we're getting a, an honest to god war movie in Rogue One. Um, so I I think expect expect a lot of uh, films and television doing genre stuff that we've never seen before from Star Wars, and it's going to be awesome. I think we already know the release dates of movies going out to 2020 or yes, 2022. Yes, we, we know everything leading up to um, Episode 9, um, but yeah, they're going to do more beyond that. Yes. Hi. Hi. So, um, storytelling in Star Wars video games is a huge part of the franchise, or has been. You win the shirt recently. game as well. I love that shirt. Um, so a lot of the games allowed you to pick an ending or pick a character so KOTOR is a, a prime example of that, Dark Forces 2 Jedi Knight, uh, Kyle Katarn had Ooh. a dark side ending um, you became the Emperor yes, How it was really cool, that? that's what I did um, <laughs> <laughs> so how do you think this is going to be handled going forward because since everything is supposed to be canon uh, how are they going to handle having an alternate ending like in a Bioware game? See, this is something we yeah. talked about yeah. at the gaming panel yesterday, this exact topic. Um, video games are kind of their own weird little bubble. Well, not anymore. No. Um, essentially, it's it's probably going to be similar to how it's been done in the past where Lucasfilm will say this pathway in like, the video game yeah. is... With Revan. Con- yeah, is considered the canon pathway. Everything else is your own private little Ultimates universe. Um, but they're not going to mess with uh, game studios and say you can't do this mechanic. Um, they're going to let the they're going to let the game studios do their thing, and then Lucasfilm will say this is the canon path. Everything else is not the canon path. And you could die in those games too, and yeah. that wasn't canon. Yeah. Well, it's funny. It's funny too because our, our our nearest marker in the sand is Battlefront, and like just watching, you know. It was announced as, like, multiplayer-centric, multiplayer-only, and people were still, you know, they, they revealed, like, Boba Fett flying around Hoth, and people are like, Jakku. But, but, but his, or, like, Luke in Luke his, with in his, his green his lightsaber yeah. on Hoth, it, like, yeah. is, did Luke go, go back in time no. to Hoth? Like, no, he didn't, <laughs> and, like, your, your individual multiplayer game on there is not somehow canon, but it, it is an interesting thing, because not all, not all the games could be like Okay, I mean, they had, in that trailer, and then in the last game, Battlefront 2 as well, Vader fights in the Battle of Endor, and that never happened, so. What you should do, though, is play a match on there, be Luke, and, and then go on to uh, Wikipedia and write an entry and just freak the editors out even more. That's right. <laughs> Upri- yeah. yeah, uprising. Uh, oh, dark troopers. If mm-hmm. if the story group says it's canon, it's canon. Um, if the story group says certain mechanics and outcomes aren't canon, it's not canon. But they're not they're not gonna they're not going to change wholesale how game developers make their games. Agreed. Yeah. 
guess I should have gone. I, I, I guess I should have gone to the uh, the games panel, but uh, game question. Yeah, why not, uh, man? You missed out. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know. I was asleep. <laughs> like, I got to college. I got I got stuff. Um, but I'm not not implying that you don't go to college. Um, okay, so what what I'm wondering is, does EA? I think like I heard this once, but like, does EA just have like all the rights? Like the they are the they have the sole publishing rights. Um, yeah, it's they've they've got it in perpetuity essentially. Um, yeah, EA has EA has the right to contract that license out to other developers, um, but it's EA essentially overseeing the process. So where might this leave? My, I, I like KOTOR, but my personal favorite is the sequel, KOTOR 2. I just think it's infinitely better um, in, in story regards. You're, but, you're um, a rare breed, sir. <laughs> yeah, like I'm I, I know I'm like a rare a, breed, but I, look, I, just, I like Obsidian, just what they do with characters now. But, so, like, where does that leave stuff like that? Because I know like uh, the Old Republic kind of overwrites a bit of what KOTOR 2 does. does is that just kind of like... It's all legends. legends. Yeah. Okay, it's all the yeah. Cool. yeah, there's current right. Legends content still coming because yeah. Tour is out, and then the X-Wing Miniatures game does Legends it, content. So It was actually interesting. At Celebration, um, on that, can- on that uh, story group panel, um, they said that uh, they were in a holding pattern with Old Republic stuff, and then the next day they said, yeah, it's Legends. Yeah. All right, well, at least that means they didn't ruin Kojo 2 for me. So. <laughs> On your Mac. You're gonna lose two weeks of your life, which is what yeah, I Yeah, they did. have all the old, uh, the old '90s, and well, I guess Kotor was 2003. Yeah, but they have it all on Steam now, so. Yes. Yeah, you awesome. Star Wars days, you bundle it all together for mm-hmm. one drop. Oh yeah. It's so beautiful. Hello, ma'am, that we haven't spoken to before. No, I have no idea who you are. I was gonna ask Brian how he feels about Creepy Leia becoming canon again. <laughs> Just for that look on your face. Rhea's upset that we don't have winter in the new Leia comics. You know what? You know, <laughs> she can still be canon at some point. However, I have... I, 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 I will say that um, Crucible may have gotten me on the let's burn this mother down train. <laughs> I do have a real question. For people who want Legends, new Legends content to come out... What is your opinion of how effective the We Want Legends Let Us Bombard the Delray Facebook with rude comments every week campaign going for them? It is horribly ineffective. It's a terribly rude strategy. It really does not do you any service. It's the right way to do it. Well, it's... They, What's the right way to let them know we want Legends content? Well, we had Heather who from Marvel on our show, and she basically said email Marvel and tell us what you want. Like, specifically, we were talking about we wanted Rogue Squadron comics because she's a huge Rogue Squadron fan. She's like, email us. I want 200 emails in the inbox by Monday so I can show them to my boss and say that you guys will read this. Um, And people are like, well, isn't that, like, what they're telling us not to do? It's like, no, they want to hear from you. They want, they love this stuff, too. Um, You know, if you email them and say, hey, I'd really love new X-Men comics, they'd They'll say, "Okay, yeah, great," and they're not going to say, "Don't tell us what you want." Yeah, but bombarding what? every post that Marvel or Delray puts on Facebook or on Twitter, and 
demanding in a frothy rage bring back legends. It just becomes noise. And don't make a White House pe- petition. Yeah. Or- no. <laughs> Mostly it's because it's they're talking about something completely different. Like it, here, it's, here we're we're releasing a new book called this, and they're yeah, like, it's, "What about this instead?" It's, it's like, just oh, not cool to hijack um, posts about new material uh, with with. Uh, Ragey demands for legends, and and the people who work at Delray specifically are EU fans. I mean, this is their job. They've been working on the books for a long time. Um, one of the editors, I mean, he came in as an intern, and now he's a full time editor, and he loves every you know he plays Star Wars video games. He loves it. So the idea that they're just saying, no, we hate it, your books don't count anymore. No, they would love for this stuff to be canon, too. And uh, just sort of an inside baseball thing, but um, the folks that uh, are bearing the brunt of the Bring Back Legends things are the folks who have the least control over bringing it back. Um, they are the, they have the license, but they're not the ones doling out the mandates. So going on the offensive against uh, the Delray folks is... It's uh, it's not accomplishing anything. Um, I think one of the problems, as far as legends goes, at least for I'm I'm not very very young, but I'm fairly young, especially compared to the Star Wars fandom as a whole, is that about half of it was written before about half of the like major story existed, like. Luke and Leia's mother is a prominent senator from the Emperor's home planet, and they don't find out who she is for 35 years. Whereas, uh, I think Greg Rucka, who's doing uh, Shattered Empire, has said that he wrote it with the idea that they already knew within a few months. And I guess I wanted your opinion on the potential that I know I've I've heard even even at the panel um, with like Timothy Zahn and Kevin J. Anderson on Friday, them talking about how so much of the books were just kind of them talking amongst themselves and sometimes that worked great when because the, they were all friends but sometimes it just meant people would go and do their own thing so sometimes that they didn't talk at all and they yeah. didn't get along yeah <laughs> and that's why they'd kill each other's characters yeah. <laughs> and so and contradict each other legacy of the force that happened a lot n- so. not not even considering the fact that like no one knew what the clone wars for a yeah. long time so now that there's not just the the kind of this the six movies that go in chronological order but also a central story group that's what their point who can kind of say that didn't happen this one's doing this don't do that how that's going to change the potential for continuity i think that's exactly why they yeah might do. yeah this is i mean i i love this question because i i started reading with heir to the empire and uh like i know people went back and read heir to the empire after the prequels came out and they were there's all these continuity errors. It's not good, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, you have to remember this book came out in 1991, long before the prequels came out. This is the timeline they gave him. You know, the Clone Wars happened 30 years ago or whatever. And, uh, you know, you just have to read it with that context in mind. You know, Cornhorn, his dad was a Jedi. It's like, uh, yeah, that doesn't work. His, his, whole, his whole timeline doesn't work anymore because his dad would have had to be about 10 years old to have him. Um, but... And that's I am glad that they will be able to do this and have Luke and Leia know who their mother is right away and not magically, 25 years later, they see a holler recording from R2-D2 that he's had this whole time. And they're like, 
oh, we could have known about this a long time ago. It's like one of the best parts, though, is in that Heir to the Empire uh, trade paperback. Do you remember the big one? When did that yeah. come out? Um, the comic? Yeah. Um, I think it was just like a few years later. Yeah. Well, it, it's really good, and it's really pretty, but they, they had just cast, I think it had to be in 1998. Oh, the something. last command one, yeah. It, well, it was all three. Oh, yeah. But... Um, there, they had cast Natalie Portman because she was one of the first big stars that they had cast for episode one, and they had uh, Leia walking past this giant mural of Amidala, and it was Natalie Portman, and it was like one of the first references to her mom. Oh, I love yeah. that panel. Have you guys read the Leia comic? It's a mini series. So there's only five issues, but they're all very good. good. There's a there's a little tiny reference to her kind of having a connection with yeah and. Padme. I think the I think the other thing with uh, continuity with this new canon story group is uh, the story group's going to be a lot more predictable than George was. Yeah. Um, they're not going. We they're, love you, George. But. They're probably not going to do the thing uh, where George says, oh, well, "Why don't we bring them all back?" He's cut in half. Oh. Give him some well, see, spider legs. That weird is like because you bring in budget Maul with Savage, and then they're like, <laughs> and then they're like no, nah, that didn't work. Bring back Maul anyway. So like, if they had just done Maul in the first place, it would have been better. But I was I was glad to see him back. I thought it was hokey at first too with his giant spider butt. Just use but, some magic to fix it. Yeah, hang on, hang on. Like, you you think having Maul and Savage oppressed was the only weird part of that? <laughs> <laughs> Disney green smoke coming out of Mother Town. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, my question was more about the new comics that have just recently came out and about Han Solo's previous relationship. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Old Sana. Yeah. I wanted to know what your thoughts were about that altogether. Uh, so I, I think there's more than meets the eye to what's going on there. And you I, think? I, yeah. I think the, the, one of the best parts, one of the best parts of that entire comic series has been that uh, few panel interaction between Leia, Han, and Sena as Han is just in the middle like, she's not my wife. She's not my wife. And they're just going back and forth and then it ends with Han getting kicked directly in the rear end. Um, but yeah, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if it reverts back to status quo in a couple issues through some hand-waving shenanigans. Yeah, well, I, I personally liked I, I liked it because we've seen you get this uh, you know all these hints and references to Han being a scoundrel and whatnot, and then you've got you know the other girl, so to speak, or you know somebody purporting to be the other girl coming in and really giving some some meat to those bones in a you know a subtle way that just works really well. I, I thought that whole so far, it's played out really perfectly. Yeah. Let's try and get to these Apparently last two what questions real on quick. Narshida does not stay on Narshida. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. You smell like Corellian wine. I do. Um, one thing I'm curious if any of y'all have noticed, we've got episodes 7, 8, and 9 and a three anthology movie. Star Wars Story, when did that happen? Uh, D23. Yeah. Okay. Um, those, those take us through 2020. That's when Lucasfilm has the rights to episodes 2 through 6 revert to them and they get a lot more bargaining power and they haven't said anything about what happens after 2020 speculation more movies yeah. <laughs> maybe that's when uh, Obi-Wan maybe I'm just going to be really angry if, I'm sorry, James, if we end up getting a Boba Fett movie and not a Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi movie. We need, we need both, really. Yeah. Well, you know, 
because I think, I think if Suicide Dos. Squad does well, they'll be like, oh, we can make a bad guy movie. All right, yeah. Boba Fett, come on. Like, I just feel like if you have Ewan McGregor saying, I want to do an Obi-Wan anymore. movie, and you don't give him one, there's something wrong with the world. Have you seen The Long Way Around? No. At one point, there's somewhere in Eastern Europe or Western Russia or Ukraine or someplace like that, and he asks his friend who he's traveling with if he wants to do something, and his friend demurs, and he just kind of backs off and says in his Obi-Wan voice, well, you must do what you feel is right. <laughs> <laughs> he is Obi-Wan. Yes. Last question. One simple question. What's a duck? <laughs> <laughs> well, ducks are canon. Ducks are canon. Rick Ollier made ducks canon in Phantom Menace. What's Did a duck? freak anyone else out that that guy was the creepy psychiatrist on Agent Carter? Really? Yes! yes. 